You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hello, I'm Wade Zaglitz, the Education Editor for Campus Review. Today I'm talking to the CEO of the International Education Association of Australia, Phil Honeywood, about the novel coronavirus and its impact on Australia's billion-dollar higher education sector. Last week, Mr Honeywood was appointed to coordinate the education sector response to the epidemic. Phil, how do things stand right now? What are universities and vocational education centres doing to keep students safe? We've just had today the first meeting of the Global Reputation Task Force, which included representatives of every state and territory government, all providers, representatives of the major peak bodies and the major federal government departments as well. It's been agreed that we have to, first and foremost, have common uh, transparent information mm-hmm. available, not only for Chinese students, but for the government of China, so they can understand that we are giving the welfare of their students both here or in Australia and those caught uh, by regulation back in China, uh, the utmost uh, care uh, that we are ensuring that their welfare is paramount and importantly that we're trying to do our best to be flexible with the academic progress given that many of them might have been second year of a bachelor degree about to come back to Australia after the new year and uh, want to come back to complete their degree and now can't. So uh, the main challenge is to make sure we've got common, transparent um, and uh, comprehensive information available for all people involved. Sure. What about our sector's reputation? Is it in danger economically or in other ways? So it's very important that we understand that there's an economic dimension, certainly. It's a $39 billion a year industry for Australia. And after iron ore and coal, international education, is, we know, is our largest industry. At early days yet to establish what the financial hit to the Australian economy will be. But certainly the Australian Bureau of Statistics uh, published data for 2018-19 shows that uh, China is worth uh, $12.1 billion in that year for Australia's uh, education export um, services industry. Now, uh, because we're um, monitoring the situation on a fortnightly basis, uh, it's early days yet. The university academic year doesn't start till first week of March, of course, mm-hmm. and we're hoping the virus will be contained by then. But we've already got the high school year having started and uh, many uh, high school students coming out from China uh, cannot start their year and it's going to be very difficult for them to be able to start late. We've also had some universities like Monash push back the start of their term uh, by one week. That's right. Uh, and uh, we've got various TAFE courses as well, which stand to be heavily affected because many of the TAFE courses involve practical work placement. And if the Chinese students miss that, then, of course, um, it's going to affect their academic progress. So it really is a, um, uh, a very fluid situation. Mm-hmm. and one in which we have to factor in all sectors. Uh, in equal measure, the Chinese government themselves cancelled English language tests um, to leave the, that were required before they can uh, have students leave the country, and all those tests were cancelled for February. So um, even if the students were able to come to Australia, they can't even skip those exams to leave China um, uh, under the Chinese government regulation as well. There has been some criticism that the latest travel ban has left Chinese students in the lurch. 
What are your thoughts on that? Australia's ban on Chinese students coming to Australia is on the same basis as what's happened with uh, New Zealand, um, with um, the UK with their um, ban on um, airlines coming out of China, mm-hmm. uh, so and Singapore as well. So it's not as though Australia's, uh, and of course the United States were the first to do this. So it's not as though um, Australia is alone in uh, ensuring that um, uh, the health advice from our chief medical officer is followed. Uh, other major study destination countries have got similar restrictions in place for all the right reasons. That's to not only protect our own domestic population, to protect students themselves. And some of the biggest um, sort of uh, pushback has actually come from uh, Chinese families who worry about mm-hmm. uh, their own Chinese students being exposed to students from areas that might be affected by the virus. Right. Okay. Are you concerned at all that the spread of coronavirus might stigmatise Chinese students upon arrival or in the future? Obviously, every effort has to be made not to have racial profiling. We saw it happen in 9-11 when uh, people who even look like they might be Muslim were given additional body searches at airports around the world Mm -hmm. and so on. It would be fair to say that Australia's got a very strong, embedded Chinese-Australian community and most Australians would not necessarily believe that anybody who is of Chinese appearance on the street is necessarily a Chinese citizen. They would understand that many of them are Chinese Australian citizens. So I think we've come a long way since 9-11, but obviously we have to do our utmost to ensure that there's no racial targeting of people um, and every university and every education provider is aware of that need Mm -hmm. and is trying to message their entire student population accordingly. And lastly, Phil, we know that uh, Chinese students make up a large percentage of our student um, cohort, particularly in the university sector. Do you think Australian universities are leaving themselves exposed to such disruptions um, by not diversifying their international student market enough? Or is this something to be concerned about? It's a really good question, Wade. Um, Australian universities and other education providers have been actively trying to diversify their markets for some years now. Uh, For that reason, you've now got Colombia and Brazil in the top 10 countries uh, Uh when it comes to student source countries. Uh, The challenge is that, for example, our Latin American students tend to come to Australia for English language Mm -hmm. and for uh, short diploma-level courses, and they can still go back to their economies, which are often economically challenged, and get free higher education or very um, low uh, domestic student fee uh, higher education courses. Uh, so the challenge is to ensure that we do diversify our markets, but uh, you can't overlook the fact that China is the largest population country in the world with 1.2 billion people. Mm-hmm. It's got a strong appetite for offshore education. Uh, happily, the subcontinent, India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, um, as their economies have improved, their market share is improving as well, and the share of the um, international student market for the Indian um, uh, student population is now about 17 to 18% and grown substantially in the last few years. So it's not a case of um, uh, just focusing on one market. Where possible, providers are trying to diversify actively, uh, but there are country-specific challenges in the mix.
Absolutely. Well, Phil Honeywood, CEO of the International Education Association of Australia, thank you for keeping us up to date with Campus Review.